1: iHeart. information.
3: Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean
4: Parnell. Welcome to Battleground Live, everybody. I am your host, Sean Parnell. I'm a combat veteran, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. But more important than both of those things, I think, is I'm just simply a humble servant of America. And if you're watching Battleground Live, then you know the mission of this show is to fight to save this country, be on the front lines of that fight. And also, I feel like it's my job, my charge, my mission to keep you all 10 steps ahead of these radical Democrats, keep you ahead of the curve. And so I've got a huge show for you today. We're gonna talk about Trump just absolutely dominating South Carolina. U.S. Air Force guy sets himself on fire in front of the Israeli embassy. Military really has a, a standards problem. Dick Levine on climate change, Lake and Riley. A great ad idea for Trump on illegal immigration. And we're gonna talk about so much more than that. So let me just write off the top. Today is the very first day that battleground live is being broadcast on iHeartRadio radio and on the clay and buck what they call rss feed so it'll be on the app i'm actually not going to be on, on on the radio but it'll be on their their iheart radio app just the audio of the podcast i'll still be here on rumble and it will be in the clay and buck feed rss feed so it'll be with them and that's awesome because that's Rush Limbaugh's feet, old feed, I think. Uh, Clay and Buck filled Rush Limbaugh's spot on the radio, so this is really cool to get. You know, to so all the new iHeart listeners, like it's. We are lucky to have you here in the trenches, fighting to save this country, and it's an honor to be a part of a iHeart Radio. And this is what my friend Buck Sexton said about the show this afternoon on the Clay and Buck Show
5: for the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. It's uh, adding another. Member of the podcast Avengers, if you will. Uh, Sean Parnell, a good friend of ours, is joining our podcast family with his Battleground podcast debuting tonight. Some of you may not know Sean, so let me tell you, he's a former U.S. Army ranger. Served in uh, in Afghanistan, was part of 10th Mountain Division, retired as a captain, best-selling author of Outlaw Platoon, an excellent memoir of his time in Afghanistan, and uh, Sean's been a friend of of ours for many years. So go check him out in the Clay and Buck podcast feed. So now he would join the likes of Tudor Dixon, Carol Markowitz, Lisa Booth. We even had a bonus episode from the one and only Tucker Carlson in the feed. So go to the App Store iHeartRadio app and uh, subscribe to Clay and Buck feed. You'll get all these shows.
4: So there you go. Very, very excited about the opportunity to grow the show, get more listeners. And as many of you all are asking in the live chat before the show, it's not going to change the content of the show at all. I'm still going to be able to say exactly what needs to be said uh, uh, and speak the truth. Uh, Talk to them about that at length prior to working with them. And so I'm really excited about this. And to all the new people on iHeart, we're super psyched to have you here in the trenches fighting to save this country. Okay. Let's get right to it. The Trump dominates South Carolina. He beat Nikki Haley by 20 points. You don't have to be a high paid seven figure political consultant or a political pundit that's on national TV to know that that was going to happen. Nikki Haley came in third place in Iowa. She got shellacked in New Hampshire. She lost to none of these candidates in Nevada, and she lost in her home state by 20 points, despite being in the state legislature there and being reelected as governor there for two terms. And so in any other normal world, Nikki Haley would be out after she lost her home state. Like, but there's something else going on here. And so everybody, everybody's asking, why is Nikki Haley still staying in this race? And we've talked about this for the past month, two months on this show, I've given you a window into the the reasoning behind her staying in, but the the truth is, let's let's lay out the facts here. Joe Biden and Nikki Haley are not all that different. Nikki Haley, at this point, is funded by majority of which are Democrats, and the deep state entrenched bureaucrats. Call them whatever you want. They are absolutely petrified of Donald Trump winning in November, because Donald Trump has said many times there's going to be accountability, or at a minimum, he's he's going to clean house in military industrial complex the alphabet agencies which he needed to he he needs to do that and they're they're just absolutely petrified that he's going to win and hold people accountable for some of their crimes not just against the trump administration but against this country what so many people like think about the hunter biden laptop and the 51 intelligence officials that signed off on on saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. All of those people still have their security clearances. Folks, that's a problem. The reality is if, if a specialist in the army did what these intelligence officials did, they would probably end up I and mean, be kicked out of the military, maybe even thrown in jail. So these people are afraid of, of Trump winning. And Nikki Haley, the the very deep state entrenched bureaucrats military industrial complex type folks that despise Trump, they love Nikki Haley. I mean, think about this, folks. She actually campaigned and said this many times in interviews on no drama, right? No chaos. Translation, of course. What is the deep state here? When when they. When, when people like Nikki Haley say that, they say, oh, no accountability for them. Not to mention that from a policy standpoint, she's not that much different than Joe Biden. So Haley represents a Hail Mary for the deep state. And of course, she's in this race for one reason and one reason only. Trump has some sort of existential problem. He gets thrown in jail, again, kicked off the ballot in a state whatever. Again, that's not an actual strategy that anybody should implement running for president. It's not a message on how you can make this country better, but that's why she's staying in this race. And she's committed to staying in to, to at least at a minimum super Tuesday, even though she doesn't have a path to win a single primary state. So that just wanted to give you the truth right there as to why Nikki Haley still win this race. And let me transition to Something else. <laughs> Something amazing happened this weekend. You know the fact check stuff that I told you all about on on Friday, and I laid out my response. This Politifact fact checked me for saying simply that the the federal election or the Commission on Federal Election Reform, chaired by Democrat President Jimmy Carter, found that mail in ballots, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, mail in ballots presented the greatest opportunity for fraud. Therefore. The best way to conduct an election is clearly not by using mail-in ballots. And every major study for the last 20 years, and I mean it, empirically validated study, (laughs) abstracts and everything, have reflected this. It's why the European Union, more liberal than the United States, along with France, have discarded the use of mail-in ballots. They don't use them because of their propensity for fraud. Even the New York Times in 2012 said that mail-in ballots present complications, namely fraud, if they're adopted in any sort of widespread way. So I get this fact check from PolitiFact. I responded with all of these things and something amazing happened. So PolitiFact, of course, they come out with their fact check. They rate my claim as false, even though they ask questions about things that there's no way. I could have answered like one of the questions that this woman asked me was how many fraudulent ballots exactly were there in Nevada? Even though I wasn't making a point about the Nevada elections, I was just making an overall point about elections using mail and ballots. Right. So, again, perfect example of the media gaslighting that happens in this country, which is ultimately damaging this country. But but I digress. So Don Jr., so I put out a thread when the fact check came out. Rated my rated my uh, post on Instagram as false. And here's the thing, folks: this is this is this is absolutely crazy. Like I expected them to rate my post as as false because that's just what these hacks do. But I did not expect this. Check this out. And for those listening, I'm I'm sharing. Uh, my screen and a and a tweet from Donald Trump Jr. And he says, So PolitiFact and Amy Sherman completely made up a fake quote from Sean Parnell and then blatantly lied and said he never responded to their request for comment. This is a must-read thread on how fake news pushes their BS propaganda. So let me go here to my, my post about this, exposing all of this. And folks, I'm just gonna scroll through this. So if you're watching, you can. You can see for yourself. And I said, PolitiFact and Amy Sherman tried to fact check me on Instagram. I knew they would. They walked right into this. Here's the post. Let me show you how all of this is propaganda. Now, again, fact checks are propaganda. PolitiFact would have you believe that that you're just fair and independent and unbiased, which is why they do all the fact checking on Instagram and Facebook, but they're not. In fact, go to PolitiFact's website. They only seem to fact check Republicans. Um, But scrolling down here, Here's her email to me. So you can see it right there in black and white, okay? And you can see right there at the bottom, if you have evidence that Nevada voter history problem is evidence of fraud, including the number of fraudulent ballots cast, please email it to me today by 4 p.m. Now, again, I didn't say anything about the Nevada primary. I just said mail-in ballots suck. You go down here to the next phase. Here's my screenshot of a reply to her, which I sent at 1.57 in the afternoon, well before her deadline at 4. Her email to me was at 12.40, so I didn't wait that long to reply. And I did it in good faith, was very professional and polite. And I sent my full response here, which I posted on my Locals page. So if you're not on Locals with me, go check me out there. But my full email is there with all the citations, the links, and everything. And so here's where it gets interesting. Here's the official, this is a screenshot of the the PolitiFact website. Now, I need you all to see this. Look right here. You see quotations, right? And a picture of me that said Sean Parnell posted this on February 19th. Nevada database glitch showing voters cast ballots when they didn't is evidence that voting by mail is the largest source of potential fraud. Here's the problem, folks. I never said that. That quote, Never came out of my mouth. So, this reporter, this journalist fabricated a quote by me, put quotations around it, attributed it to me. Now, if you're a kid in high school, I mean, this is like, this is like plagiarism. This is horrible. It's unethical in so many ways. But then, not only did she do that, look at this. This is a post from their fact check in their write up. We contacted Parnell for comment, but did not receive a reply. I replied. They just didn't like my reply. I replied 2 hours, over 2 hours before their deadline. So folks, listen. This is exactly how these people work and I had to take a few minutes on the show to expose all of this as the for the brazen propaganda that I mean that the media that the media really are. I mean, this is what they do. They these fact checkers, they don't care about the facts, folks. I think you, the battle crew knows this. Of course you do. But for our friends, new listeners at iHeart, this, yeah, they don't, it's not about facts. It's not about the truth. It never is with these hacks. It's about protecting the narrative first last and always. And that is the narrative of the Democrat Party. That is the narrative of big corporations, including big pharma. That is the narrative that's being pushed out of Hollywood or our education system or any one of these liberal bastions that are always foisting their opinions on all of us. Which is interesting that the very same people that call themselves resistors have some of the biggest corporations and big media behind them all the time, which if this were Star Wars, they would be in the empire, right? Because of course, but no, we're not. Unfortunately, we're not in Star Wars. We're in America. And I guess having big corporations and big media and big Hollywood behind you makes you a resistor. So I don't know, but listen. Okay. So let's move on to the, to some important stuff. So 33 years ago, 13 soldiers were killed in Saudi Arabia during Operation Desert Storm and those soldiers were from the 14th Quartermaster detachment. This was like in 1991, um Scud missile hit their barracks and killed and killed them and they were from Western Pennsylvania from Greensburg, my area and my father sent me a newspaper article that was talking about the 33rd anniversary of their death, which is kind of crazy. I was like 9 or 10 at the time and I still remember it. In Western Pennsylvania here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, this hit us really hard. Our community struggled with this. It was on the news all the time. And like I said, as nine, 10 years old, I remember it. And on this show, we like to commemorate those who've given their lives for this country and pledged to never forget. Uh, but those killed in that attack here from Western Pennsylvania, Specialist Steven Atherton, Specialist John Bolivar, Sergeant John Bongiori. Uh specialist Beverly Clark, Sergeant Alan Craver, specialist Frank Keo, specialist Anthony Madison, specialist Christina Mays, Specialist Stephen Sicco, Specialist Thomas Stone, Specialist Frank Walls, Special Specialist Richard Wolverton, all of these people from Greensburg, my hometown. I went to, I went to high school at Greensburg Central Catholic. And this got me thinking of all the times in Afghanistan. Where I had an experience similar to this and talking to my dad about it, I can't tell you how many times where a rocket would would land on our base near where I was sleeping. There's one time a rocket tore right over over my building and landed and hit an Afghan National Army barracks and killed a bunch of the Afghan National Army and it just just missed my building. It's crazy thing about being in combat is that, you know, lose your life in, in your sleep, which is why. In order to even operate over there under that immense pressure, you've, you've got to be able to just say, okay, I'm not coming home alive. I'm, I'm giving up any hope of coming home alive. Otherwise, you just have so much anxiety, you're so petrified, you can't sleep, right? If you're afraid of dying, I mean, if you're afraid of dying, you can't operate effectively over there. And that got me thinking to you know, our standards for my unit. And like I said, we were... <sighs> I would say, after 485 days of combat, better at fighting in Afghanistan than the enemy was fighting there. We killed so many of them. The turnover on the enemy side was so high. Well, we knew the terrain and the battlefield better than them. We were hardened warriors. And after, again, 16 months, we knew the area better than them. And got me thinking about standards. And my battalion commander, his name is Chris Toner, and he was an extraordinary battalion commander. But at the time, as a young kid, I absolutely... He drove me insane and in what I thought just stupid, stupid rules and regulations. And one time I remember being in a base about to run a patrol. I hadn't shaved in a day. And as you could probably tell, I'm a guy that gets a five o'clock shadow pretty easily. And in the army, you're supposed to shave every single day. Actually, in the military, you're supposed to shave every single day, you're not supposed to have, you know, stubble five o'clock shadow at all. And a lot of units have lax grooming standards in combat not my unit, didn't matter. So even though we were going on patrol, I was supposed to take my battalion commander and drive his tactical column back down to my base, He was his trucks were going to drive along with mine and I was leading the convoy and I was giving the brief and I had a five o'clock shadow. So I remember wearing my body armor and putting it up close over my face to try to hide it because I knew if he saw it, he would call me out. And sure enough, he did see it. And he did call me out after patrol brief. He's like, Lieutenant Parnell, come over here. Let me see your face. Go shave. And so I had to go into some disgusting Ford operating base bathroom and pull a razor out of the trash because I didn't have one with me. We were only on a 24 hour patrol and I had to shave my face with a dry razor in Afghanistan before I was allowed to take that patrol outside the wire. It was things like that that just pissed me off so much. Just drove me insane. Same is true for our protective gear. We had fire-retarded uh, retarded gloves and and gear for, for for hands and arms. We had pro to protect the eyes, helmets, of course, to protect the head. And we were not allowed under any circumstances to unbutton the chin strap or take our helmet off at all when we were outside the wire every single patrol we had leaders checking to make sure that the sappy plates were there cuz sometimes people would take out the sappy plates uh the the heavy part part to their body armor because they just wanted to carry a lighter load of course like if you get shot at and hit it's not a good thing sappy plates can save lives and of course after 16 months my unit took an 85% casualty rate six of my guys were were shot in the head and listen all of them survived folks All of the people and men in my platoon that were shot in the head survived because they were wearing the proper gear, because they never let complacency set in. The standards were set very, very high. And as a young lieutenant at the time, I didn't get it. In fact, it just pissed me off because I was beholden to those standards, too. And I thought it was unreasonable. got some time and perspective and the benefit of hindsight, I look back, you know, hell, I'm 42 years old. I'd be a full colonel had I stayed in the military now. So I'd be in charge of a brigade. And I see why my boss, Lieutenant Colonel Chris Toner, did that. And ultimately him setting very, very high standards saved lives. Full stop. It's just the truth. And so it concerns me when I see the military across the board in the face of the greatest recruiting crisis that we've faced as a country since the Vietnam War, it concerns me to see standards falling all over the place in an attempt to bring people into the military. Now, in the wake of 9-11, we had an influx of troops that came into the military and wanted to serve and were angry. But a couple years after 9/11, five, six, seven, eight, nine years, the wars have they dragged on. The op tempo, the operational tempo was extremely high. My unit got back from a 16-month combat deployment, nine months home and then another year to 15 months back to the front lines of the war in Afghanistan. Think about that. 16 months in combat. Nine months home, rest, and all you're not really resting, you're training to go back. And then another 15-month deployment right after. So as you can probably imagine, recruiting got really difficult. And so the Army, 5, 10 years after 9-11, opened their arms to everybody. Even people that had you know, questionable qu- criminal records <laughs> didn't have the right level of education. And we got a lot of really terrible people in that had ended up making it through basic training. But they got to the unit, and they were like what we called problem children. And all that did was create an even bigger problem because instead of training, we spent all of our time on administrative actions trying to put soldiers out of the military. And some of these people were like setting fires to barracks and committing actual crimes and stealing things out of the PX. And so it worries me, especially with wars erupting on every continent, seems like the world is on fire. It worries me that the United States the world's lone superpower is at the weakest we've ever been at home. And that's not even a question. And that is laid right at the feet of the Biden administration. That weakness was part of his plan. And it started with vaccine mandates where they put some of our most patriotic and and, and the real meaties of our military. Most A lot of those guys got out. And of course, they're trying to let them all back in now. But I saw this article of this of this Air Force engineer anarchist, right, of this guy setting himself on fire in front of the Israeli embassy. And I started thinking. Shouldn't we have seen this coming? Somebody had to know that this was a problem. This soldier, this airman was going to be a problem. He's got social media. All over his social media, you can see he's an anarchist. You can see he's a free Palestine whack job. Him going and lighting himself on fire, I mean, kind of joke, right? Because we have this rivalry between service branches. Uh, I don't, I'm sorry, folks. I don't feel bad for this guy. He violated his oath of office. He embarrassed this country. He's taken up with our enemy, by the way, in Hamas, who killed Americans and has Americans hostage. I'm sorry. There's no excuse for that. But sell jokes out there man the air force would do anything to get out of physical training (laughs) so i hate to laugh at it but the reality is folks it's it it's we should have seen this coming look at this video of this guy he films a selfie video of him just prior to him lighting himself on fire Look, look at this i am an active duty member of the united states air force
5: and i will no longer be complicit in genocide I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest, but compared to what people have been experiencing in Palestine at the hands of their colonizers, it's not extreme at all. This is what our ruling class has decided will be normal.
4: They're not going to show it. Don't worry, folks. They show just a little bit. So absolutely insane. His commander should have seen this coming. But again, we've diminished our standards in the military over the last two years because of the recruiting crisis, because of and, and because of the problems. That the Biden administration has created by appointing all of these woke morons in charge of our military, and you end up drawing the worst type of people. I mean, why do we have a recruiting crisis? I don't know.
6: Maybe because of something like this. Hello, I'm Admiral Rachel Levine. This Black History Month, I'm pleased to partner with OMH in advancing better health through better understanding for Black communities. Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the physical and mental health of black communities. Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to live in areas and housing that increase their susceptibility to climate-related health issues. And 65% of black Americans report feeling anxious about climate change's impact. Through our Office of Climate Change and Health Equity and the Office of Environmental Justice, we're working with providers and community leaders to identify innovative approaches that empower communities to address the health consequences linked to climate change. Visit hhs.gov for more information and tune in next Thursday to hear from another HHS leader on how you can contribute to advancing better health for Black communities. Okay, that was Dick Levine,
4: the HHS secretary. Now that is, okay. That is a man pretending to be a woman, pretending to be an admiral, talking about the climate change agenda, which is a hoax and making the overall point that climate change itself is racist. It's insane, right? But it's precisely this type of insanity that is creating the recruiting crisis we're in, It's the reason why good Americans don't want to join. It's the reason why we're having airmen lighting themselves on fire now in front of the Israeli embassy, taking up the talking points of our enemy. And this can be laid at the foot of Joe Biden. He's responsible. Okay, I'm going to talk about lake and riley and, and and her tragic death over the weekend tragic and preventable death over the weekend and I'm talk about what that means for us and let me see if i can um I'm gonna share this on my screen here and for those listening it's it's a picture of of lake and riley nursing student from georgia it's tragic and this is from uh an ex post by amy kremer she said lake and riley Should have been going to class today, but she's not. Imagine the nightmare of your child being murdered by a savage animal in the country illegally. I'm angry, livid, and enraged. Another American child is being buried and nothing is being done to stop this insanity. Uh, Well said, Amy. I completely agree with that. It's just so upsetting to me that this death is completely preventable and this young woman looks just so sweet. Everything that I've read about her, she's just absolutely loved by her family and loved by her friends. But the media, the media has been absolute, like if you you hated him before I'm about to say this, you're definitely going to hate him now. But media, Associated Press, and some of these local Georgia outlets reported this as Athens man. You know, Athens man charged with murder for killing uh, Lake and Riley. Athens man, really, Athens man. You mean, no, more like illegal alien who was already arrested in New York once for harming a child, released by the disastrous policies of, you guessed it, fat Alvin Bragg, goes down to Georgia, kills this young woman while she's out for a jog, Shouldn't even have been in this country. Should have never happened. And what have the Democrats been saying for the last year on this? Again, this is something else that can be laid right at the feet of Joe Biden. And and, and the title of this episode is Democrats are waging war against the American people. This is what I'm talking about. They're deliberately putting our nation at risk by making our military weaker. They are lying, not just to conservatives. We, the battle crew, we all know this. We see this. We know how they act. But they're also lying to Democrats. Well, I would like to just give them grace and say, well-meaning Democrats who would just like to see Joe Biden in office or maybe their family were always Democrats. They're believing the stuff that, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and all these communist propagandists, mouth breathers are saying. Just let's let's go through this and how they've lied about this issue, the issue at our southern border for years now. Have two million people cross this
6: border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure.
7: We have a secure border, and that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix, given the deterioration that happened over the last four years. We also have to put in place a a law and a
4: plan for a pathway for citizenship. So we have
6: a secure border and a problem with a secure border that, of course, is secure, and we are doing the hard work
4: to secure it. I mean, so after Kamala Harris, our DEI vice president, threw all that together. So keep in mind, Lake and Riley's illegal immigrant killer crossed the southern border on September 8th, 2022. Three days later, Kamala Harris told NBC, and what you saw right there, we have a secure border. And it's our job to continue to secure the border and do the hard work of securing that border. Thanks, Kamala. Well, how about KJP from the White House press room?
2: Uh, We're certainly uh, doing a lot more to secure the border.
4: How about more?
6: The the busing aside, how do you explain this influx? Uh,
2: Well, again, we, we understand that we have work to do. We understand that and we have been doing the work to do that. Uh, We have taken unprecedented action over the past year and a half to secure our border and rebuild a safer and orderly process system.
4: Oh, we have work to do and we're doing the work to do that. Okay, how about her
2: here? I'm just going to refer back to the vice president. We agree with her. She is saying that there's a lot of work to do, right? She also said that in that very statement. We agree that uh, the border is secure, but there is still more work to be done.
4: Okay, how about KJP in an interview? Look,
2: the border is not open. We're doing everything that we
7: can uh, to make sure that we're dealing with this issue.
4: How about Joe Biden
0: in a speech perhaps recently? And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane.
4: Or how about AOC? Just this past weekend, what did she have to say about this tidal wave of human suffering at our southern border that's directly leading to the deaths of American citizens?
8: The idea that Republicans, in order to win an election, say we need to hermetically seal the border when they know that that would be, that is economic self-sabotage to the U.S. economy. And they are saying, let's let's do it anyway. And to compensate for the negative effects, we're going to allow and throw people's kids into factories. That is what they are doing in rolling back child labor laws, while being as xenophobic and anti-immigrant as as they are, and while ginning up this this false narrative about this being a crisis. And by the way, by then also preventing and blocking any legislation that would provide not just a path to citizenship, but a path to work papers, a path to allowing people who want to work to be paired with American businesses who need people to work. And I mean, there is not only no moral calculation, there is no economic calculation, there is no logical calculation, there is only a political calculation. And that political calculation is we are going to keep whining about it. Mm -hmm. We are going to keep pretending this is a crisis while contributing to actual problems. And then we're going to block the solution so that we can campaign on it over and over and over. And we can call it caravans. We can call it migrant crises. We can call it family separation. And they will just recycle it over and over and over again in order to gin up, you know, just so much animosity and destruction in this country and racism in this country, because that's the only thing that the Republican Party even is standing on
4: at this point. Okay, so AOC said it's a conspiracy theory. Isn't that interesting? Uh, okay, what did Biden say recently? I'm showing you all this for a reason. So I, I'm going to lay it all out there for you in a second.
6: Biden just said this. Why were you against the House, um, against the Senate border deal, the bipartisan border? Well, they
9: allow 5,000 people a week, but a lot of people took it a as 5,000 people a day. It made it much better for the opposing side. You know, he just admitted it.
0: He sabotaged our bipartisan deal, bipartisan deal to secure the border because it made it much better for the opposing side. You know who the opposing side is? In this case, it's America. Donald Trump roots against America every chance he gets. He's only in this for himself.
4: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I showed you all of these videos for a very specific reason. Now, is the border secure? like cackling Kamala, our DEI vice president said, or KJP said from the White House press room and in interviews, is it secure? Um, Or is it a conspiracy theory that Republicans, it's not even an actual real problem, according to AOC, it's just a conspiracy theory, something that we're using for, uh, for politics to win an election? Or is it what Joe Biden said? Now, keep in mind what Joe Biden and AOC said were like a few hours apart. (laughs) So is it that or is Donald Trump sabotaging it? Because it seems like none of those things can live in the same world, right? It's sort of either Trump is sabotaging it or it's sort of like, yes, the border is secure. If it really was, of course, it's not or it's a conspiracy theory that, you know, conservative whack jobs cooked up. Of course, none these things folks, they don't live in the same world. And that is what leads me to tell you that they the Democrats are just brazenly lying to not just their side, but to the American people. They got three different stories, and they're throwing a bunch of crap at the wall to see what sticks, to see what's gonna pull well, and that's what they're gonna run on. Obviously, they're already running on border security. Uh, we called that weeks ago here on this show. And and people kind of people were like, Yeah, right. How are they possibly gonna not not the battle crew? You all were with me, but people online on social media were like, Yeah, right. How can they possibly? Oh, they're not gonna be able to do that against Donald Trump, the build-the-wall guy. But the Democrats, I had my name on the ballot twice during 2020 and in 2022. Donald Trump had my back during both of those races. I know how these people fight. I know what brazen, disgusting liars they really are. They're shameless. And so this is what they're doing. They're message testing. And this is how you know what they're saying are complete lies. And so if you look at how Donald Trump really feels about the border, and I'm going to share a, a screenshot here for my listeners on iHeart to explain, uh, to show what Donald Trump said, his statement. And I'll read it. It said, Crooked Joe Biden's border invasion is destroying our country and killing our citizens. The horrible murder of 22-year-old Lake and Riley at the University of Georgia should have never happened. The monster who took her life illegally entered our country in 2022 and then was released again by radical Democrats in New York after injuring a child." When I am your president, we will immediately seal the border, stop the invasion, and day one, we will begin the largest deportation operation of illegal criminals in American history. May God bless Laken and Riley and her family. Our prayers are with you. And he's right. Our prayers are with her and her family. But that's how Donald Trump really feels about the issue. Okay. And that's the truth of what's actually happening. Joe Biden, AOC, KJP, all these psycho mouth-breathing libs who lie to us on, on the regular, on the daily, say some of this stuff to Lake and Riley's family. Would you have the courage to tell Lake and Riley's mom or dad or friends that the, the border what's happening there is just a conspiracy theory or that the border is secure or that Donald Trump is uh, sabotaging a border. He probably wouldn't. And her family likely wouldn't believe that. It was a preventable tragedy.
7: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep (sighs) expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named Best Hybrid Mattress Five Years Running. Sleep hot. Collect goods. That's leesa.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See Lisa.com for more details.
4: But as I was doing research on the show today, I realized that the Republicans obviously they got totally played with this Langford bill, right? And Langford played right into their hands, they gave gave them the ability to say, "Oh, wow, we have a bi- Schumer to go out there and say, "Wow, well, we have a bipartisan deal with Republicans,' and we sent it to the House." And those MAGA Republicans—they're just extremists. They don't want a solution like. Langford gave the Democrats the ability to do that. But I'll bet you have you all heard of h r two have you? I'll tell you what. I was doing legislative research today for the show just to see if there had been any bills put forth in the House or the Senate that would have secured the border earlier than than this abomination that was proposed in the Senate by by Langford. Of course, that's not a border bill. That's an open invade. that's an open borders bill. That's an invasion an invasion. (laughs) It's an invasion bill. But HR2, basically the the title of that bill, and you can look it up on congress.gov, HR2, simply titled Secure the Border Act of 2023. It passed the House of Representatives, folks. This bill passed the House of Representatives in May. Schumer and the Democrats in the Senate have been sitting on it for eight straight months. So that means they could have passed this bill. If the president gave a damn about securing the border, he could have signed it. And eight months ago, we could have had the border secured. And maybe somebody like Lake and Riley would still be alive today. But more... like. Something that just blows my mind is why haven't the Republicans been out there on every media outlet in the country saying the same thing? What the hell are you talking about, the Langford bill? We sent the Senate a bill eight months ago. That bill was called H.R. 2. That bill would have secured the border a year ago. But Democrats in the Senate don't care about securing the border. Joe Biden doesn't care about securing the border. Joe Biden and the Democrats are okay with 85,000 children being sold into sex slavery and sold into the black market, into the labor market to do do work here in this country. Joe Biden is, is okay with illegal aliens invading this country and killing Americans. Joe Biden is okay with the cartel human trafficking. Joe Biden's okay with fentanyl pouring into this country and is number one cause of death between people 18 and 45 in america i mean seriously folks it's important to talk about this stuff because we have to get the study history to make sure you learn from it to make sure that you get better moving forward but i bet you that many of you all on the live chat in in the battle crew have you heard of hr2 i mean seriously tell me have Have you seen any mainstream headlines about HR2? Have you heard any Republican at all talking about HR2? It happened eight months ago. So again, this is an, this is a a leadership problem within the Republican party folks and and listen, whether it's Mike Johnson, McCarthy, Jim Jordan, I don't know, but someone in our party on Capitol Hill has simply got to get better at playing the narrative game and staying ahead of the curve like we do on this show and outflank the Democrats all the time. This is a perfect way, a perfect way we could have done it, but we didn't. And now the Democrats are using that argument against us. And so Joe Biden is planning on heading down to the border. He's chosen Brownsville, the Rio Grande Valley, and this from Bill Malugan, who has done great reporting for Fox News down on the border. He's on the front lines of all this stuff. Biden is deliberately visiting Brownsville and the Rio Grande Valley for this visit. And Bill Malugan said it's been slow there for months, only getting around 200 to 400 per day, crossing all of the Rio Grande Valley sector. Yesterday was 314 encounters. Meanwhile, San Diego and Tucson sectors are busy in blue, busy in blue states with typically 1,000 to 2,000 crossings a day. Biden's last visit to the border in El Paso was after a huge surge of illegal crossings where the streets had been cleared of, of migrant camps. We don't call them migrants here. They're invaders, they're aliens. Uh, migrant camps and vi- visit was highly sanitized. Biden did not see or talk to a single migrant, nor did he visit a border patrol station. We'll see if this time is different. Again, nothing bothers me more than when Republicans or journalists co-opt leftist language. These people aren't migrants. They are breaking the law on purpose, coming here illegally. They don't appreciate our country. And in some cases, they're killing Americans. And it makes me sick. But what can Donald Trump do about this to stay ahead of the curve, to really you want to know what he can do to make the Democrats head explodes, like just drive them absolutely insane is run an ad that just plays this. On densely populated er air in densely populated areas in swing states, just this
9: all Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating. For a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it.
4: I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. That's the ad. I'm telling you folks, that would drive people insane. But this was back at a time where the Democrat party was just in a completely different place. And again, many of the Democrats from my family, again, Western Pennsylvania, Union Democrat family. And what's funny is that half my family, Democrats from Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Allegheny County area, half my family were Republicans. A lot of the Democrats in my family are more pro-Trump than some of the Republican ones, which is interesting. And it just is a microcosm of where this country is right now and the paradigm shift that has taken place in our political parties to where the Republicans are the party of the unions. And if, I'm sure you saw the Teamsters Gave President Trump or the RNC on behalf of or for President Trump forty five thousand dollars. That's a vast departure from where they've been in the past supporting Democrats. It's a huge deal. But we're the party as Republicans of working class of of, of building trades unions, and Democrats are the party of the billionaire and the big corporation, big media, big Hollywood, ivory ivory tower academics. I say let them keep that demographic. Let them represent the the richest 1% in this country. As a Republican, I will gladly take the middle class. I'll gladly take people who work for a living, the building trade unions. I'll gladly take representing those in, in the cities and surrounding suburbs. We do a better job for those people. But Bill Clinton represented a party that that ap- actually represented the little man at least one could they could at least make that argument with a straight face back then but if team trump and by the way his campaign is they're ruthlessly efficient this this time around far more far better than 16 and 20 The trump 2024 campaign is is being just it's being run fantastically by uh by a actual wounded combat veteran so no surprise there i think he's an army guy but if they were i don't want to say if they were smart that's not the right way to say it but they should definitely seize upon bill clinton's own words and run an ad in swing states like this all around the country and so uh okay let me just jump real quickly to to this clip from cnn which in the wake of the south carolina primary in the caucus kind of caught my attention and blew me away i thought it was very very funny uh check this out do you think biden legitimately won the 2020 election here in south carolina in this
3: primary today only a third 32 percent say that he did legitimately win. Only a third give the correct answer to this question. Two thirds, 65% wrongly say that Joe Biden did not legitimately win the 2020 election, but that is what they believe, obviously, after hearing so much of that uh, from Donald Trump and others again. (laughs)
4: Well, what do we do? They're not buying our narrative anymore. It's like, it's amazing to hear the language. They're, what they believe is is simply not correct. That that Joe Biden didn't legitimately win. Joe Biden did not legitimately win. <laughs> they absolutely rigged. And again, we talk to the iHeart listeners. Just so you all know, I, Battle Crew knows this. People that have been with me since, from the very beginning. I'm a Trump guy. I've been a Trump guy for a long time. I I'm honest with you all. Like I don't mind who you back. You back whoever you want. Like get in the trenches if you want to help to fight save this country we want you in the trenches with us uh, but like i like the, the 2020 election we've got to speak with open eyes about it and and clear eyes about it it was absolutely rigged they changed laws they they removed signature verification unsupervised drop boxes so joe biden won in quotations he's in the white house Does that mean he won legitimately? Keyword? Absolutely, of course not. Of course not. And so, my hope is that the Trump administration or the the future Trump administration and the Trump campaign, I know for a fact we've got a pretty good plan here in Pennsylvania for tracking down mail in ballots and making sure we get low propensity voters to vote early. Uh, But listen, I'm telling you. This is CNN out there saying that the media doesn't have the power that they used to have. And they don't have the power that they used to have because people like KJP, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, brazenly lie, showed you a bunch of videos just this episode of how they do that. They they lie. And their policies that they lie about can have very dire and disastrous consequences for us as a country. And so, listen, folks, um, I have an amazing show planned for you tomorrow. Uh, I told you that Alexei Navani's death, I messed up his pronunciation of his name, uh, that there was very little incentive for Putin to actually murder him. He was locked away in Siberia. Why make him a martyr? It would create unrest in Russia and, and get people fired up the protests, which happened. It would make it more likely for the United States to pass another Ukrainian aid package and drag out the war even longer, may even make Ukraine entering NATO more likely. Well, come to find out, we found out information about Navalny's death and then he might not have died in the way that the American media would have us believe. But no surprise there, right? Folks, that's what our provada media does. They lie, the Democrats lie, the media elevates it, rinse, repeat on all things. That's why I mean the Democrats are waging a war against the American people. Those lies hurt this country. And in 2024, we need to make sure that we hold them accountable for those lies. And so got a great show tomorrow live right here at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Rumble, but also on the iHeartRadio app a few hours after that, a couple hours after that. Uh, So, first of all, folks, thank you all for watching. Uh, Super, super lucky to have you here in the trenches, especially so many of you all been with me from the very beginning. Thank you for that. Make sure you like and rumble, like and rumble, like and rumble. That little green thumb, smash it. It matters a lot. It will help us make the leaderboard. So the more likes we get an episode, the better it is for us. Tell your family, tell your friends to subscribe to Battleground Live. We want them in the trenches with us fighting to save this country. We want them in the battle chat, the bat chat, lighting it up like a Christmas tree, helping to solve the problems of the day. Um. Share this episode on your social media with your family and your friends. We want this message to be contagious. And as always, thank you all so much for watching. I'm so, so grateful to have you here with us. God bless you all. And may God bless the United States of America. Take care.
1: information.